0: Hey friends, welcome to the Mark Explains the Universe podcast, the seventh episode uh, in this first season of this podcast. And we are a podcast where we talk about faith and science and life and space and in physics and the human body and sex and all the fun things and all the complex things and all the painful things and all the things that are full of love. All things life. I'm your host Mark and I just want to thank you so much for joining me today on this super super special episode with a great friend of mine Corey Baker. Uh, but before that if you haven't yet, make sure you head on over to either iTunes or Podbean and subscribe to these bi-weekly podcasts. And also remember to go follow us on, on Instagram at mark.explains and also on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash markexplainspodcast. So a couple of things before we get into this episode uh, and these are not any ads by any means but rather some shameless plugs. Uh, My older sister Sarah, she runs her own small business where she takes thrifted items that she finds uh, and uh, that being like tea towels or old shirts or curtains or prom dresses from like 1970. She turns them into these badass upcycled aprons and makeup bags and pillows and you have to check these things out. You can go to her Instagram at Sarah Jean Soes, That's all one word. S A R A H J E A N S E W S. Sarah Jean Soz on Instagram. Uh, and you can just search her on Facebook, Sarah Jean Soes. You can also go to her website. It's the same www.sarahjeansos.com uh, You need to check this stuff out. It is, it's unbelievable. And also I have a younger sister that she also runs her own small business. Uh, she runs uh, a Paleo Whole 30 food blog and it's absolutely 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 leading the industry and easy to make recipes that are also Whole30 and Paleo. I literally go to her website like four to five times a week and find recipes and ideas that I can make in my Instant Pot and take to work all week long. Oh, they are so good. And all of her holiday sweets are starting to come out. Oh man, Paleo Cinnamon Roll Pancakes and Paleo Vegan Pumpkin Swirl Brownies. Are you kidding me? Oh, you have to go check this out. Instagram is jays underscore baking me crazy, J-A-Y-S underscore, and then all one word, baking me crazy. And you can search her on Facebook, jaysbakingmecrazy. And you can also find her online at jaysbakingmecrazy.com. Okay, episode seven, man, with Corey Baker, I'm just so humbled that, uh, that we could find time to get him on here. Uh, he has such a large vision for life. Uh, he's such a great friend of mine. Uh, And he is a life and health coach. He just released a book called Chasing Better, which is available on Amazon and in bookstores everywhere. And uh, he also will be releasing the audiobook version uh, very soon. And thank God for audiobooks. You with me on that one? Oh, love those things. Uh, So go to Amazon.com or uh, your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble. uh, That's where you can get this book. Or you can go to his website, uh, which is coreybaker.us. That's C-O-R-E-Y b-a-k-e-r corybaker.us um and you can uh find this book as well as finding out a whole bunch of fun stuff um about him so i hope uh this episode inspires the hell out of you episode seven chasing better with Corey baker uh here on the mark explains podcast oh man so so tell me a little bit about like man i've known you for so long and like even our friendship has kind of a uh, interesting history um I I mean, you were on staff at Masters Commission. I mean, like, how how did you get involved in Masters at first? Like, like what what was the thing that kind of pulled you in to go to Masters Commission?
1: Um, man, I don't even know. I, you know, I think uh, I think part of it was, you know, I just didn't know what else to do. You know, I mean, how y- old you? Were grew you grew up in church. Eighteen.
0: Oh, so you were so, right out of high school.
1: Yeah, so. You know, I think honestly people do that because it's just a safe thing to do. And, you know, you kind of grow up and when you're in in a youth ministry type thing, you kind of go to this place of thinking that, um, you know, working for a church or ministry is not just the highest calling, but the only calling And that if you don't do that, that you're somehow wasting your life. And, um, you know, I, it's my own choice and here's the thing, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't have any regrets about going to masters or about being involved in all all those things. I think all that stuff made me who I am. And, you know, I I certainly did not walk away from church ministry bitter. You know, I'm not, I'm not bitter at Art Van Zanten and I'm not bitter at Dan Betzer, although I probably have good reason to be. (laughs) Uh, that's another story, but, um, you know, um, I just, you know, I'm, I I can, I can with pleasure say that there's honestly not one person on this planet that I have a grudge against. Hmm. There's just not, you know, that I think it's just good to to live your life. And I'm sure there's people that don't care for me and
0: that's okay.
1: You know, that's, that's their issue though.
0: Yeah. As for me as well, you know, so you you did masters up in, in Illinois and then you went down and you went on staff at Fort Myers master's commission. Um, You were there for a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are we recording or are we just talking?
0: Oh, yeah, we're recording. <laughs> okay. I was like, I
1: was making sure. I was like, hey, are we going here? Are we just talking? Because I was like, I got to put my professional voice on. Or, you know, hey, as there. As you can see, Mark, I'm really good at this stuff. Um, so I can't say shit. That's what you're trying uh, to say.
0: You should listen to episode number five. I started off by saying fuck.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So just, okay. So I just want to make sure that, I just want to make sure, you know, because you're not supposed to, you know, not supposed to do that. So. So I, all, all that, uh, thi- to see all, all things liquor. are welcome. Everyone's going to see, my well, gonna
0: see, to see it. well, they're going to yeah, hear, yeah. they're going to hear about it. Yeah. No, yeah, so. I, all, all things are welcome at in the podcast. All things. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: so yeah, so I, um, um, uh, you know, I was in, I went to master's commission and, you know, learned and had a great experience and was a uh, student for three years was on staff for eight years and, and then went to pastor, uh pastor a church for 9 years. No, I remember so. you,
0: I remember you telling me um early on I think it's like second year you were telling me you're like I have I have dreams I I have goals of of pastoring a big church I, I it's something I want to do. Um did you see yourself living in southwest Florida that whole time? I mean like like what was that transition like going from uh, you know like for being on staff at masters commission right into a direct lead ministry role you went over to cape coral right you went to uh yeah
1: you know it was fine i think we it was a good situation for me you know church was financially that okay and there was a couple hundred people there it was just a safe situation uh for me to be in and you know i uh i i really had a had a great time i was there for 9 years and we saw the church grow from Two hundred to, to six fifty or so, but but again, you know, I mean, I, I wanted that at the time, but I, I think, um, you know, this idea of, you know, I want to pastor a big church, um, you know, I, I wanted that when I was thirty, but I'm thirty eight now. I, I don't, I think what we what we want over time changes, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And I certainly think that uh, that calling can change too. You know, that's probably been one of the biggest. Pushbacks that I've gotten from people is: um, Do you feel now that you're not in full time ministry? Which basically, let's just say this is what it is: full time ministry. All that means is you're getting your paycheck from a church. That's all full time ministry
0: means. That's all it is. Yep.
1: So to say, am I walking away from a calling? I think the answer to that question is no. And the reason is because I think honestly, callings come for seasons. You know, I think Mm. life was meant to be lived in seasons and. Whether you are a believer in God or not and you if, if you're not, then this whole aspect of calling is even an interesting discussion in and of itself, because who's the one that's doing doing Call. the calling yeah, I, I don't know if i I don't know if I buy into to calling so much I, I think um, part of it was i I stopped living to what you know stopped listening to what everybody else's expectations were of me and started to realize I got one life and I'm going to live it on my terms
0: hmm.
1: uh, and do do honestly what makes um. what makes me happy.
0: You were under the guise of uh, the first assembly in Fort Myers. And then you, at some point transitioned on to your own church. We did. Um, you, you were, uh, I believe venture church or church, yep. church venture or. <laughs>
1: yeah, we were, we were venture church. And then when I leave, when I left, which actually, this was probably what makes me not a very popular person in, in the assemblies of God. In um, fact, there was a bylaw written about me for the national level. It wasn't didn't mention me, but it was about me.
0: It's um, kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, essentially, what happened was when I left the church, um, the church voted to become a campus of another church mm-hmm. out of state. So they became a satellite campus. So it's kind of, you know venture kind of went through a weird thing where it started out as a satellite campus and then became its own autonomous church and then became a campus again.
0: Interesting. But the
1: campus that, we, that they became, I say we, I didn't make the decision, they, they um, are now a part of a church that's based in Illinois. So the church is now called City First Church with the parent church being in Illinois. So obviously, you know, denominationally, you know, different things like that uh, probably weren't the biggest fans of, in their eyes, losing a church. But in my eyes, it was it's dumb because – what's the real mission here what are we trying to do are we trying to to build up some numbers for how many churches there are in a state or are you trying to accomplish a mission that's bigger than that and <laughs> you know that, that kind of left a left a bad taste in my mouth but again you know I don't I don't hold any any ill will and I understand the frustration you know it makes sense and well it makes you know, sense I from my
0: from a business standpoint possibly but you know like lo- looking at this like it's it's very interesting i would say that 2004 Mark would dislike 2018 Mark uh, very deeply. Uh, but it's, it's very interesting now that my, like my central ethos now is so much more simple than it, than it was before. Um, like my central ethos now is, is help all people at any cost. doesn't matter where you are or where you come from. Like you're welcome in my life. And if I have extra anything, I'm going to help you like this. is And yeah. it's super, super simple. And, creating bylaws in a church establishment, which I feel the church should be the tip of the sword as far as helping people. If you're creating a bylaw because you care more about the institutional practices of what it looks like as a business, more so than as a standpoint of we are here to help people, then I think you made the right decision on moving on.
1: Yeah. But again, you know, um, I was leaving no matter what. The church, you know, as is the case with any church, when the pastor leaves, the church can decide whatever they want to do or who they want Mm to hire. And the church decided this was the direction they wanted to go in. Now, I support it and still support it. And I still to this day think it was the right thing for the church. It's Mm -hmm. growing. It's actually – the church is bigger now than what – when I left. But that's another discussion. I don't know if bigger is always better. But the idea is – you know, there's a lot more health and it's set up to help and make a bigger impact now than it ever was when I was there. That's interesting. And, um, I honestly think that it was, it was the best thing. Now, again, from, from my critics, from those who would look at it and not agree, I, I get it, you know, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I think, you know, anytime you do anything that is outside the norm or status quo it's going to ruffle some feathers, you know? Um, and, um, I, I think, you know, everybody, I mean, that, that happened, man, almost a year and a year and a half, almost two years ago. Mm. So it's in the past, you know I mean? I think if people are looking at that and still upset about something that, that happened two years ago, that's a you issue.
0: Sure. Yeah. So how long was it into your, uh, let's say the solo adventure for, uh, venture church, how long was it uh, until you started feeling feeling the pull to maybe make the exit out of church and into this uh, into this new role that you have.
1: That's an interesting question, and I don't know. I would say that I wrestled with this for a couple of years before I made the decision, partly because I didn't want to make an emotional decision. You know, I was yes. not one one really important thing question that I had to answer, and it took me some time to answer. Was when it came to the church and leaving it. Was I running away from something or was I chasing something? Hmm. Um, I think it's it's really not great motivation to run away from something. I think it's really great motivation to chase something. So I think for me, it took me a, a while to define what it is that I was chasing uh, because I never want to live a life that is built on defense or retreating, you know. And I and to be honest, I, I didn't have anything to run away from, but you know. Um, I certainly felt that it was the right time um, to go. I felt like if I stayed too much longer, I could have gone into a, a season of burnout, which I didn't want to do mm. at the time. I was I was speaking live for services a weekend. Now it's, it's not exactly coal mining, but I mean, it wasn't the easiest. My voice, you know, my voice never had a chance. I mean, I would, you know, every weekend I would get done speaking and I speak with a lot of energy. So I mean, after the weekend, you know, my voice was shot. It took me three, four days to kind of get it back again. And then by that time you're speaking again. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, it It was, it was, it was rough. And, um, you know, back again, I, I don't, you know, we had difficult people at the church, but there's difficult people everywhere. You yep. can't hide difficult people. Um, but I, I didn't leave because of a fight with board members or, you know, or, or any of that stuff. It was just, it was what was best for my family. My wife was definitely wanting to be done Hmm. um my kids never saw me and i just made a decision that hey i'm gonna do i'm gonna do what's best for me and you know to be honest there was some fallout from that uh some people and and i and this is the weight that i carry too i mean we had a good sized staff uh i think 10 people and of those 10 people that were on staff with me there's two actually one that's left Hmm. so i i get it You know, that when I make a decision like that, it affects more than just me. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's people that, that lost their jobs and people that, and I, and I wear that and I get that and I'm not, I'm not making light of that. I know that that significantly changed a lot of people's lives, but I had to wrestle with the fact of, I can't stay in a place because of how it affects somebody else. As selfish as that may sound, um, what really made it the difference for me was, I could no longer see forward. If somebody were to ask me, Corey, what's your vision for the church? My honest before God answer would be, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm here collecting a paycheck right now. I'm here just speaking. I, I have, and it's not fair to the church. It's not fair to the people there. I think the church or any organization deserves to have someone leading it that has a clear picture of where it's going. And I didn't have that. And so I felt that it was time. So I would say, I knew there was a, probably a time for a, of about I don't know 8 to 9 months that I knew that change was coming but I wanted to roll it out in a way that was was good for all, you know, all parties involved. Again, I balance statements. I I get that this was not good for all parties involved, and I'm not making any sort of you know, hey, this is a good thing because for some people this sucked. Yeah. You know, and I think anytime you make a change it's going to be great for some and not so great for others but but then again that's that's why a lot of people don't make decisions to to rock the boat because they don't they don't want to rock the boat for anybody else and you know maybe i'm a selfish prick that's very possible i i don't i don't think so but it's possible and and it may be possible that people feel that way about me Hmm. um well you know it's also possible
0: that things can be more than one thing like was this was this a good thing yeah but was it also sucky yeah and was it uh beneficial for you yeah and was it also hard on you yeah like this is probably many things all in one for somebody to say this is is, you're a prick and you're selfish and 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 this was terrible probably but it also was really good and you are moving your family and yourself forward because of the fear of burnout and because of it, I mean, inevitable burnout at this point, you know, like, like you are doing the best thing for you. That's, that's vital for, for health, um, for, for movement forward. It's, it's vital.
1: You know, my marriage is good. My relationship with my kids are good. Uh, we're happy and that's, that's what matters. You know, I, you know, you mentioned this before, but you know, bottom line is, and, and this is, this kind of rubs off on, Christians don't really have an answer for this per se too much. Cause I think most people who would profess to be Christian honestly would think that there is a black and white for everything. Hmm. There's a right and wrong and there's just not always that it's we, we live in a world of gray and that's okay. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's always a right answer. And I think that sometimes it, you're right. It can be both. And it can be great and sucky all at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, there's just no way that I could sit back and say, I'm going to do what's always in the best case of everyone because that just doesn't exist.
0: Yep. I I totally, I totally understand and totally agree. You actually talk a little bit about, uh, black and white and living a little bit in the gray in a book that you have recently not only written, but, uh, is now available on Amazon um yep. And in bookstores everywhere, I pre-ordered mine, and I'm excited yep. about getting it. Uh, I ordered mine on Amazon because I am an Amazon fiend.
1: Me, um, too. Me too.
0: And uh, you actually have a whole bunch at your house right now that you are signing uh, mm-hmm. and and giving off to people. The what I think it was like what the first 300 people.
1: First 300 people that uh, that message, we well, you know, I'm signing and and doing autograph copies. So, I think I've sent out over 200 copies already, mail and print and p- paid for postage. And so, you know, uh, I think I'm selling those for $18. I think the book you can get on Amazon for 14 or 15. Holy You can get a personalized copy from me for for 18. That's just honestly the, the difference is... Covering shipping post, I'm not Amazon. postage i, I don't yeah. yeah i don't i don't offer free shipping um there's no Corey prime so <laughs> um so but no. you know for me i mean there, there there was a pretty significant investment from my part just to, to get the to get the book out um you know i mean I, I hope it i hope it does well i think at the at the very least i, I want to recoup what i invested into it and Sure. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't write this. I mean, we do, we do well financially as it is. So this was not a moneymaker for us. Although of course I want to make money, but, um, I, I, want to add value and you know, this, this message of what chasing better is about really has burned in me for a really, really long time. And, you know, kind of to, to bookend the pastor phase and spring forward into what I am now. Um, I think one of the things that coaching and writing has done for me is it's shown me that I can be successful doing something else. And I think that there's a lot of pastors, and I can can tell you 50, and I'm not making a number up, I'm not exaggerating, 50 that I know right now are pastoring not because they want to, but because they don't think they can do anything else Hmm. they literally have no other way to support their family. And so for them, this is not a calling. This is a way to feed their kids. Hmm. And I think that that is not a great experience. You know, it just, it just isn't. So for me, this was a really cool thing because it was like, all right, you know, I feel like I'm a, I'm a good leader and I'm a good communicator and I don't, just have to do that in the context of a church. I can, I can inspire people anywhere.
0: Yeah. No. I, it's kind of interesting because I've seen, um, I've now, I, I was able. I uh, Corey was kind enough to send me the book before everyone else yeah. got it, so I'm kind of like yeah. on, the, on the inside yeah. scoop. You are. Uh, but I yeah. was so I was able to kind of read this um, ahead of time, and I feel like what this book is is kind of like a summary of the past couple of years. That nobody yeah. really has been able to see. And now it's kind of like you're like, hey, oh, by the way, this is what I've been talking about for the past two years. This is what's been going on. Yeah. This is my life. This is my passion. This is my heart. And I'm still helping people in different ways. Yep. Um, so let me kind of introduce you to uh, what my passion is now. And it's the book. The book is called Chasing Better. And yep. uh uh, man, you've got to get your hands on this book. Uh, it's it's incredible. It really is. Yeah, thank
1: you. You know, one of the, one of the things that I really wanted was I. I mean, I write about my church experience, but again, I don't write about it in a in a bitter sort of context. I think what's what's very common for people is when you live your life on one side of an extreme and you realize you don't want to live in that extreme, you swing to the complete opposite pendulum. <laughs> that was me. Before eventually finding your way back to the middle. Yeah. Right? W-
0: where so that where, balance like, is.
1: For example, a person that was like sold out, Jesus following, tambourine, clang- tambourine clanging, <laughs> tongue speaking, uh, altar blanket wearing Christian. Oh. Right? And realizes, okay, that's not for me. Then all of a sudden you go over here and you're like, okay, nobody should be going to church. It's all terrible. And you know what? If there is a hell, I'm going to be in room number 418. Like that's (laughs) kind of where you're at. And then you kind of get back to the middle where it's like, listen, I've got some really great friends who want nothing to do with God. And I've got some really good friends who love God and have a mission and passion to spread love and grace all over the world. And that's okay. Hmm. And, you know, so I think what's interesting is that a lot of times people try to, people become what they hate. And we, we tend to, you know, we we're like, man, it, it just drives me crazy that Christians try to tell people how to live their life and then you go over here and you're trying to tell people how to live their life just in a different way. It's like uh, you know, you shouldn't go to church. You shouldn't You're doing the exact same thing. You're just doing yep. it in a different way.
0: In the opposite you know? way. Yeah, it was that was that was me. I I went through a pretty pretty heavy faith crisis uh back in like 2013, 2014 and became a nihilist like instantly nothing mattered because nothing existed and yep. uh I went from being, you know, like a an evangelical Protestant Christian to being somebody who was like, I, this doesn't even matter. I mean, you're praying to a a carton of milk because it's the same as God, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, you know what? Um, I think that there are people of the Christian faith that are doing a lot of great things all over the world. Absolutely. You have to be completely blind to not see that, Yeah, you know? So, um, now are there some bad things of course, you know, and, and that's the case, that's the case with any aspect of, of life. And what I, what I hate about the world that we live in is just how polarizing it is. You know, there's, you know, uh, I don't know if we intended to get into politics, but I got, I got some friends that voted for Donald Trump and I got some friends that didn't, you know, I got some friends that, you know, are more Christian or more Republican than they are Christian. They would never admit that, but that you know, they, they just, I think they're more pro-right than they are pro-gospel. Sure. I've got some other, you know, I got some other friends that, you know, think that anyone who even considers voting for anyone red uh, is immoral. Hmm. I, I, got, I got friends, you know, everywhere. And, you know, I, that's, I'll tell you this. You want know, you want to know, and maybe, maybe somebody could call this cowardice, and if you think that way, that's okay. One of the big triggers for me in leaving was I feel— that in the next, and Trump is not helping this, by the way. He's really, really forcing this. There is civil war. Sounds dramatic. I can't. I don't think there's going to be rebel flags and guns and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, there is but, already but, rebel and, flags, but keep going.
1: But but there is a very clear pick a side. Yeah, and it's 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 really rampant in, in churches, and and the side is. You know, where 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 do you stand? You know, where do you stand on gay marriage? Where do you stand on abortion? Where do you stand on all this kind of stuff? You're either with us or you're against us, and and to be honest, um, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with that fight.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, now again, people on both sides could attack that and say, "Well, you got to stand for something," and I I agree. You know, I think you do have to stand for something. But this goes back to what we were saying before about, you know, being living in a world of black and white and, and trying to find the humanity and grace to say, Hey, how, how do we live in this complicated, messed up world? And the only way to come together is to find common ground, Mm. um, You know, one of my mentors, and I talk about this in the book, um, and uh, not a Christian, not a Christ follower, but this is what he says, and he's absolutely right. He said, he says, there is a big difference between belief and values.
2: Hmm.
1: Beliefs separate us. Values bring us together. If you think about some of the major wars and problems that are in this world, they are over one simple thing belief. I believe something different than you. I think I'm right and you're wrong. Hmm. Belief in God, not belief in God, belief in Muhammad, belief in, you know, Buddha, belief in whatever. And everybody believes that what I believe is right and what you believe is wrong. Hmm. Right? So we all believe different things, but we all value the same things. Hmm. We value our family. We value being kind to people uh, we, we, va- you know, there's, there's things that are common values that bring people together. And I think the the truth as we move forward into, you know, 2020 and beyond, and, and this is my, this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not a person back into the politics. I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone that, that thinks Trump is the devil. I think he's an asshole, Agreed. Um, <laughs> but I tell you the number one reason why he's not and should not be our president because he's dividing us he's not bringing us together and we need someone and he is he wants to divide and the reason is the bottom line is and 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 people on the left do this too most people in washington care about one thing getting reelected yep that's what they care about so they will do whatever they have to do to pander to the side and and what riles people up more than anything is is rhetoric and just noise, and and that's happening on the right, and it's happening on the left, and it's just we need someone that uh, that that can bring us together, and, and it's and it's not the person
0: we have now. I more or less refuse to talk politics with people for that exact reason because we need more we need more values in this world that pull us together and not things that tear us and divide us simply because there's so many things. Even, I mean, just if you look at Facebook and, and the amount of posts that are so politically and religiously dividing, there's so many things that divide us. I'm, I consider myself a Christian, but I'm also, I, w- I would say I'm a humanist, like I'm, like, more than that, but more than being left or right. I'm, I'm, I'm a humanist. Are you a human? Yeah then we have common values then we have yep. we we deserve to be loved and we deserve to be helped so let's let's start there let's let's start at what our common values are versus what our beliefs are and what the things that divide us i really i really like that our values yeah. versus beliefs
1: yeah and and that's really a lot of of trying to find that you know and even even things like um you know i was listening I was listening to a couple of days ago there's a clip on YouTube uh, back to the debates between um, Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump. And one of my favorite questions that was asked was, mm-hmm. they asked each of them to, in spite of all the differences, can you tell us one thing that you respect about the other person?
0: Hmm, That's interesting.
1: I loved that question, And you could see them getting a little um, uncomfortable with that and trying to find something. But I I think that's really one of the keys to us breaking out of this crap that we're in with our country is sometimes you got to dig for gold,
2: Hmm. right? Yeah. And
1: and there might be 99 things that are wrong with somebody or 9,999 things that are wrong with somebody do I want to be the person that notices all those things or I want to be the person that finds something good so much so that no matter who the, who the person was, let's say the person that you can't stand the most in this world was the president. All right. What if somebody came to you and said, I will give you $50,000 for every good thing you could tell me about him. Hmm. You might have to look for a while, but you might find <laughs> something you're like, man, he, he, he really wears red ties well. Really, you know, really I, I, well. You no, know, um, but wh- wh- Whatever. I mean, he—he's a—he's a good dad. I don't know if that's true. But here, the point is this: with any of the first off, and this is one of the things I talk about in the book. No matter who you are, we all know what it's like to deal with difficult people. The most difficult person any of us are going to have to deal with any single day is yourself.
0: Yep, Absolutely. I am the
1: most difficult person I will ever lead. Period. And if I can learn how to lead me and have grace with me, then I can have grace with others. And so I think one of the things that's gonna help a lot more people be happy in this world is everybody else is noticing faults. And what if you notice the things that are good? And Hmm. you know, one of the I made a little joke in the book about the fact of if you really want to stand out and you really wanna be different, you can either get another tattoo or you can be someone that encourages people. (laughs) Because that's just you know, people get tattoos because they want to be different. They want to, they want to be unique. You know, uh, I, I got to get, you know, this tattoo that's in, you know, Swahili that's <laughs> on my left ass cheek because no one else has it there. And, you know, it, we, we, we just, we got to stand out, right. We, we got to be different. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you one of the ways to be different, find the good, you know, the, the guy that I was telling you about, um, that had this, this statement about the beliefs versus values, his wife actually recently passed away hmm. unexpectedly. Um, and at her funeral, somebody was talking, uh, you know, eulogizing her. One of the things that he said was any time that I was ever in a conversation with her and someone started to talk negative about someone else, the girl, the lady's name that passed away was Lori. He said, Lori would always counter that by saying something positive about them. Hmm. every single time, she would not allow you to speak to her negatively about someone who wasn't there without counteracting that negative thought with something positive.
2: Hmm. And
1: and I just thought, my goodness, like, I, I think, you know, we shouldn't talk badly about people, you know, period. But the bottom line is the reason we shouldn't, and this is one of the sections of the book too, is because when we talk negatively about people, the one that we're only, the one that we're is ourself, you know? Um, And so one of the ways that you can really be unique and different is just by forcing yourself to be positive and and dig for gold. And, and that person that you think is just the absolute epitome of you challenge yourself to find one good thing about them.
0: Hmm, That's really, really good. So real quick, um, and because I simply just don't know your story, I mean, I think you might know a little bit about me. I'm, you know, at the the point I'm at in my life, I, you know, I'm I'm, just, I just want everyone that is around me to be better because of me. I want mm-hmm. to help in every way possible. Um, I think that's what this podcast is definitely doing is reaching to those people that need help in certain ways we have this uh you know that this this unique blend of like for me it's it's kind of like post-faith enlightenment that i i've i've kind of fell out of the faith that i knew because it wasn't working and i kind of fell into a life of like oh my gosh this really is what helping people should look like from the beginning um now i i you know and i i definitely don't know your story uh, has it, like what is your faith like how is that journey of your faith look like let's say from the last couple of years in the church and then through this trans you know this transition into the life that you're living now like what does that look like for you
1: oh man i didn't know we were going here oh um i don't read my bible every day uh i i don't uh and I, I think I'm still, you know, the, the simple answer. And I'm I'm really saying a lot of nothing right now. The, the simple answer: Do I believe that there is a God? Yes, I do. Do I have any idea what that looks like? No. I I think I think the true re, I think the true religion for more people than they would care to admit is agnostic. In hmm. a sense of saying, I'm pretty sure there's something out there, but I don't, I can't be certain. Hmm. And any, and I mean, the Bible even tells people that, right? This is a, this is a, this a, is a, this is something built on faith, right? There is no concrete evidence. There's not one person on the planet that can tell you I've seen God. Uh, they're like, well, I've seen them in my kids. Okay, stop that crap. <laughs> Stop with the metaphors. It's
0: right? actually uh, Christopher Hitchens' biggest uh, argument is that there is no evidence ever, full stop, period, of a God ever. in that.
1: And that's... But on the flip side of that, I can't get to the spot of thinking that this is all just some accident either. Yeah. You know, I think I, I'm not there. And, and I do, in some ways, believe what the argument of a lot of Christians would be in that it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than it would be to be um, a believer. Um, I think I'm a believer in people. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, God's either a God of grace or he's not. And I just, you know, when, you know he, he wrote this book a long time ago and was ostracized for it, but I'm a huge Rob Bell fan. Um, I think, you know, I love what, what he talks about, and, you know, he wrote a book, you know, about basically debunking the the, the traditional Christian hell. Yeah. And I would say that I'm in a place where I, I do not believe in a literal place called hell. I just don't.
0: You mean it's not now, beneath our feet, made of no. of fire I mean, and brimstone and
1: is there, could there be i don't know maybe but you know if i get to the end of my life and realize that i've been messing around and and i did this all wrong and i helped a lot of people but i didn't pray some prayer or 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 i you know walked away from something and and so because of that a salvation was taken away from me and and therefore i'm going to spend my my whole eternal existence in torment as a result of that I'm not sure I want to be around that kind of god anyway.
0: It doesn't sound like a very loving god.
1: It doesn't. And and you know, you can spare you can do the whole jargon of, you know, well, it's, you know, it's God's it's not God's choice, it's yours and it hurts me more than it hurts you and all that stuff. It's just It
0: doesn't you know, sound like a loving god.
1: I, no, I just um I have a hard time the fact that, you know, I I do not believe that God is who American Christians make him out to be. <laughs>
0: That is a very that is a very fair statement.
1: And I think there's just so many holes. You know, so many holes with what do you do with the billions with a B people that grow up their whole life never even learning about God or the or the, or the Bible Straight in any way. to hell. Like,
0: straight straight to hell.
1: How is, so you just you just cannot and then people start to make arguments. You know, then it's like, well they get in because or you know, my favorite is the whole age of accountability thing. Well,
0: that If, if you're
1: seven and die, you're good. But if you're eight, God help you. so God is God is right now sending eight year old boys that die in car accidents mm-hmm. to hell by the truckloads because they didn't pray some prayer and they passed some and age
0: that, in that in that window that one that it's one just, year window they uh, had. Yep. You know,
1: and does does anybody does anybody know that? I I would say you know the Bible is a very Great thing that has helped a lot of people. Do I believe the historical account of creation? No, I do not. Hmm. So, Corey, it sounds like I mean, there's a lot of change over the last few years, kind of in your in your own perspective and your own beliefs. Would you say like did did this change start to happen in you while you were in ministry, while you were a pastor, or did this did this kind of happen after and and as you moved on to the next thing? Yes. How's that for an answer? Yes, perfect. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, but again, I think if you look back to my past several um, sermons, and again, could could someone call me a fraud? I, maybe I think I was wrestling. I think that's the that's what makes communicators good are people that yeah. learn how to wrestle with their faith. I think any person that would say that Christianity does not allow for questions. Is very insecure. I think yeah. part of, you know, you read the Bible. The David questioned God. The Job questioned God. My God. I mean, it's whole. The whole book is filled with questions. You know, Paul questioned God. Um, so I think you know, there. It's okay to wrestle with things. And I think that's probably what I would say is that for the last several months, I mean, there was a lot that I was wrestling with. I was not communicating. I never once communi- communicated something I did not believe.
0: Well, I, I tip my hat to you because I led worship as an atheist for probably three full months before I, the trap door fell out beneath me.
1: Man, life is complicated. And I, um, I think I don't, God only knows. I mean, 10 years from now maybe I'll be back to evangelical, conservative Christianity. I, I don't <laughs> know. I think anybody who could can tell me that you can look into your crystal ball and tell me what your life is going to look like 10 years from now is bogus. Nobody has any idea. You yeah. know, I mean, we change, we evolve. I, you know, we're a product of the relationships that we form and the experiences that we have. Um, and so I'm just going to, you know, back to the whole book, you know, I'm just going to chase every day becoming my best self. Some of my best friends on the planet are evangelical Christians. Hmm. Some of my best friends on the planet are atheists. And I'm okay with that. I do not, you know, I, I am secure in who I am and in, in what I believe. Um, do I pray? Yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, call it prayer, call it meditation, call it whatever you want. Um, I think it's good in the morning too or whatever to just kind of center yourself and, and realize one very important thing that the universe is a really, really big place and I am really, really small.
2: Okay. And yeah. even
1: though I can make a very, very big impact in the grand scheme of the history of mankind, my life is extremely insignificant. Um, and I, I do. I mean, it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I, I go outside and I look up at the stars and I realize that I'm a part of something. You know, I'm a, I'm a part of a miracle. I mean, whether that miracle came from the voice of a creator or whether that miracle came from a big explosion in the sky, there is one thing that every person that's ever existed can agree on. And that is life truly is a miracle.
2: Mm.
1: And, and what you choose to do with that miracle, I don't care where the miracle came from. What I want to know is what are you going to do with the miracle you've been given the opportunity that you've been given to live and not, I mean, just for us, not just to live, but to live in America. And not just to live in um, in America, but to live as a white male in America. I mean, you talk about privilege. I mean, we don't know what it's like to be discriminated against because we're a female. We don't. I don't know what it's like (laughs) to be discriminated against because of my ethnicity. I am a white male in the richest nation in the entire world. I mean, I I know more privilege than most people will ever care to know. And I think I have a responsibility to what am I going to do with that privilege?
0: Hmm. So you tell a story about Michael Phelps in the book. Yep. And I feel like you should tell it because this is, I feel like that is a great precursor for those who kind of want to get their feet wet before uh, diving into something like this. Uh, um, You should tell a little bit about the story of why, like why Michael Phelps
1: Yeah. So Michael Phelps, you know, my wife and I are big fans of the Olympics, you know, not all the Olympics. I mean, I, there's some aspects of the Olympics that we like better than others, but you know, love, um, love the love swimming and love Michael Phelps and all his records. And, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that Michael Phelps has made some poor life choices, (laughs) you know, he's, 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 he's not always been perfect and he's gotten caught with bongs and DUIs and, strippers and god only knows what else right Living
0: life to the uh, fullest yeah. as i call it
1: yeah right so so but michael phelps you know he, he goes through a spot of of being injured and he had this guy that was a swimmer and i don't remember where the country country's from but uh, his name is chad LaClose, south africa i think uh and and la and phelps kind of had a a friendly rivalry and phelps was out of the game for a little while out of swimming and 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 LaClose ended up beating one of his records and, and when they were interviewing LaClose, Laclose said something along the lines of, you know, Michael Phelps has talked about um how the how it's not competitive since he isn't swimming anymore, but I just did a time that he hasn't done in seven years, so he can shut up now. And oh. that kind of lit a fire in um in Michael Phelps and began recovering. And they did a story, you know, kind of detailing the, the rivalry. The whole idea was that when LaClose opened his mouth, if there wasn't a rivalry then, there was now. Right. Because now Michael Phelps just has this fire, and there's this shot at the Olympics before they jump in the pool of LaClose standing there and Phelps behind him just giving him, like, this death stare. Like, oh. you know, you know Lord of the Rings, like, the one ring to rule them all? Like, this was <laughs> the one death stare to rule them all. Like, oh, it was wow. just... An epic death stare. So they get in the pool and they start to swim and Michael Phelps is beating LaClose by a full body length, like just crushing him. And there's this image that is shot that Michael Phelps has his eyes straight ahead looking at the finish line and you look over and the lane next to him, LaClose, is looking at Michael Phelps. Hmm. So the whole concept is Michael Phelps was focused on winning. Chad LaClose was focused on Michael Phelps. And the whole concept of it was learning how to deal with haters in your life. We all have them. And if you don't have any haters, it's because your life, you're you're not making a difference and you're not, uh, your life's not, uh, you're not doing much significant. If you if you don't have somebody that's, that's a hater or, or anti what you're doing, then you don't stand for a whole lot, right? Mm. So I think for me, I used to fear what people think, thought about me. Now I fear that no one knows who I am, and so my mission is is to get my name out there and and to to help a lot more people. And inevitably, when you do that, you're gonna find some people that uh, that aren't that aren't fans. And I, I've had to ask myself, am I the person that's focused on winning, or am I the person that's focused on the person who's winning? Hmm. And um, I think that's the whole that's the whole concept of of that. And I, I devote a whole chapter in the book to overcoming what people think about you, because I think that, um, the fear of what others think about us, uh, can hold us captive, um, and, and keep us stuck
2: hmm.
1: for, for a long time. You know, I, I tell a story in there, um, about, I, I listened to a guy uh, by the name of Ed mylette who is a famous podcaster, phenomenal, has got great content. And I listened to him speak one time, and he said, He said that you and I are the stars of our own movie, right? And after a movie is done, you see the credits roll, and the star of the movie always has their name listed first Denzel Washington, Jennifer Lawrence, Reese Witherspoon, Brad Pitt, you know, and then underneath that will be the names of the secondary characters. And then if you keep watching the credits like if you've ever watched like one of the avengers movies you always know that if you watch the avengers movies you stay through the credits because there's a scene coming after right (laughs) um so if you watch all the credits eventually any person that has anything to do with that movie their name is listed like and and he said if you stay long enough you're gonna see who played the cab driver number three now nobody ever watches a movie and walks out of the theater thinking to themselves man cab driver number three crushed it in that scene (laughs) like they were so good
0: so good
1: and and so he talks about that when people are are haters or or people that uh are are saying negative things about you in your story you are the main character and those people are cab driver number three Hmm. and so why are you allowing your life to be determined by the opinion of an extra hmm People didn't come to see your movie to hear what Cab Driver Number Three had to say about you. They came. They came and paid money to see you. Now you know what the reality is. I, I'm the main story. I'm the main actor in my own story, but I might be Cab Driver Number Three in yours. So I think you, um, this is your life, and and you should be able to to live it on 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 the terms that that you have. You know, obviously without harming someone else. I think someone who is who is a you know, trying to poke holes in that argument would say, well, Adolf Hitler was living life the way he wanted to. Well, okay. Stop being an ass and finding a problem with what something everybody says. Obviously you should do what makes you happy and content to the extent that it does not harm somebody else. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, I think that's, that's the caveat and all that. Um, but go be the star of your own movie. Yeah. Stop worrying about what cab driver number three thinks about you.
0: So if you could tell the entire world one thing and they, that every single human on this planet would not only uh, hear you, but they would listen to what you had to say, like, what, like what would you say to them?
1: You know, I, I think some of it is I already, I already said, but you know, and that is you truly do have such a short time, um, on this earth and there's so many of us that um just get bogged down by life crazy is i think there's a lot of people that could tell me all day the things they don't like and the things they don't want hmm. if i ask you to tell them what you do want you know what they'd say i don't know i don't know what i want and i think that for the vast majority of people if you you're stuck you know what life is like for a lot of people you ever, you ever been on an escalator and tried to be that moron that walks up on an escalator <laughs> that's going yeah. down? Okay. Oh, yeah. You know what that's called? It's called life. For so many of us, it feels like we are trying to walk up an escalator that's moving down. And if you stop trying, life will pull you back so fast. Hmm. And I think that's what happens to people when they don't have a clear picture of what they want. Life will always feel... Like you're that guy at the gym walking on the stairs, that little stupid stair machine that just, <laughs> you're just walking on it goes stairs nowhere. that don't ever go anywhere. You, next time you go to the gym, look at the person on the stairs that go to nowhere and picture 80% of our society doing that same thing every single day. Hmm. They have no idea where they're going. And I think if I could tell anyone, if there was one theme of this book or one thing that I could impress to you, it's figure out what the hell you want. What do you want and why do you want it?
2: Hmm.
1: And most people don't have what they want because they can't define what they want. So there's, there's people, there's two things. Number one, people don't have what they want because they don't know what they want. Number two, they know what they want but they don't think it's possible. So if I don't think it's possible, why should I put in the action steps to get to what I don't know is possible? So I think the vast majority of people, They don't have what they want because they don't know what they want. So, the most significant thing that you can do for your life is to get alone or get somewhere that energizes you and ask yourself that you ever, you remember, um, oh gosh, this is such a girl movie, but it's a perfect scene. You remember the notebook?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Remember that scene, uh, where the the guy character, I don't even remember the names of the characters. But the guy character and the girl character having this discussion and he says to her over and over, what do you want? And she can't answer. What do you want? And she can't answer. And his voice keeps getting louder and louder. What do you want? And she can't answer. Finally, he screams, what do you want? I think all of us need to have someone that has an intervention with us that way. Hmm. And putting us into a situation of really putting our backs against the wall and saying, stop with the BS, Stop with, the, stop with the, 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 the patent answer. What do you want? And if you can't define that, you should not be surprised that you don't like your life. Hmm. Because you are on that stairmaster that is going to nowhere. And it's your fault. So get off that thing. Define where you want. And make sure those stairs are pointing somewhere. For me... You know, I, I just love helping people become the best and healthiest versions of themselves, you know, and, you know, I don't want to be stat guy, but, you know, it doesn't take a long time to notice that 70% of our society is overweight or unhealthy, you know, and, um, it's, it's, and there's two reasons why, um, one, because bad food is cheaper Two, because it's more convenient, you know, think about what percentage of your meals you eat in a car. Right, you can't eat a piece of grilled chicken with asparagus while you're driving and you're late to a meeting. You can eat a cheeseburger and fries that way, though. Yep. So, our our eating habits are the way they are because we're busier than we've ever been, and because you know of 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 a person looking at cost, and I think cost is BS anyway. Because I think for most people, cost is an excuse. You know what? Honestly, you know, because when I what we do. A lot of people look at me and they're like, well, how much does it cost? And I think that's the wrong question. The wrong question should never be how much does something cost? The real question should be how much do I value it? And I'll tell you this, this is a truth bomb right here. Whenever I'm talking to people about what it would cost to eat healthy or change your life or lose weight. I always ask them one very important question. Are you worth that? Hmm. And I think that for most people, The question is not, can they afford it? The question is, how much do you value yourself? Hmm. And a lot of people, when push comes to shove, don't value themselves very highly. And if you don't value something, you're not going to invest in it. So you look at it and you're like, I just don't think that I'm worth investing in. And that is the honest truth. So for us, we just have conversations with people and say, hey, listen, um, why don't you tell me? And this is why, like, if somebody, people get annoyed with me sometimes because they message me on Facebook and you know they see me posting all kinds of pictures and they're like, hey, tell me what, what it is. What do you do? How much does it cost? How's, what's the program look like? You know what I tell them? Let's talk on the phone. Because I have, this, I have this core philosophy and that is this. You tell me why, I'll tell you how. You tell me why you wanna be healthy, I'll tell you how to do it. But I'm not gonna tell you how until you first tell me why. So my mission is I have conversations with people all the time and I say, Hey, well, what's, what's important to you and how important is that to you? And why is it important to you? Mm. Period. And and we'll talk about how afterwards, but I'm not going to tell you how until you tell me why. So what I do is I find what people want to accomplish, why they want to accomplish it. And then we put paths together to help them make it happen. So, I mean, I'm not going to make up a number, but <laughs> the, the weight loss and health industry is huge. It's a massive industry that, yeah. that uh, I'm sure there are billions of dollars involved. So yeah. with all of that and all these different avenues that, that people will take to try to get healthy, different diets, different books, why do you think people fail? Um, I, I think they fail because they approach it like a diet. Diets suck. Nobody likes doing a diet. I think you, you approach it like, like a lifestyle change. This is not a diet. I, I lost 30 pounds four years ago, and I haven't gained a pound back. So I think the reason people fail is because they approach it in all the wrong way and because they try to do it themselves. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I go back to the, to the book a lot, but there is a chapter on health. I don't give away information or anything. I just talk about why it's important to be healthy. And one of the things I talk about in there is I had a conversation with a coach four years ago and he told me what the, what it was and how it worked. And, and I was like, thanks for the info. I'm going to try it on my own. And this is one thing he said to me. He said, that's awesome. I wish you the best of luck, but if you could have done it on your own, you'd have done it already. Hmm. And I think that, that the reason why a lot of people fail is because they're trying it on their own or they're approaching it like a diet and you just cannot and will not stick to a diet long term. It's got to be a lifestyle change. And and our mission is again helping you define what you want more. Great example. Let's say that that a person is is on a diet trying to lose weight, whatever you want to call it, and they um they they've gone 2 weeks and they're doing great and all of a sudden they just have a just a hankering for a gas station chili dog first of all i don't know if anybody still eats gas station chili dogs but there are people out there that do right (laughs) i'm going to the damn 7-eleven and i'm going to get me a gas station chili dog and you see you walk into the gas station you see me there and i say hey um i got a deal for you you can either have this gas station chili dog i'll even pay for it for you or i'll give you ten thousand dollars which
0: one you gonna pick oh the ten thousand dollars yeah
1: you're going to pick the $10,000, and you know what else I think? I think you're going to leave the gas station not thinking about the chili dog anymore. You know what you're going to be thinking about? You're going to be thinking about what you're going to do with that $10,000.
0: All the chili dogs I can buy with $10,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But,
1: but here's the point. The point is, most people aren't hungry. They're bored. Yeah. We eat not because we're hungry. We eat because we're bored. And we eat because we have nothing that we're chasing after. So the the issue is not to shame someone for liking donuts. I like donuts, not to shame someone for liking pizza. I like pizza, but you know what else I like? And you know what else I want? I want 15% body fat more than I want pizza. The issue is not you are bad for wanting something. The issue is finding out in yourself, what is it that you want more than piece of, than that piece of pizza? We've just discovered that there's something you want more than that chili dog right so for you for every person if you really want to be healthy the key is figure out what it is that you want more hmm. than whatever it is that you're craving
0: oh that's awesome well thank you thank you Corey right thank you so much for yeah. coming on and, and, and speaking about your book again chasing better you can uh, buy it right now and is it is it in Barnes and Noble it's' uh,
1: Global, Amazon,
0: Amazon, all those I places. Go I pick it up. You
1: can get it from my website, Corey Baker. Uh, dot Us, C O R E Y B A K E R. Us. You can get it there
0: too. Awesome. I'll have. I all... think I saw you today. You still have a bunch of personalized copies to send yeah. out, so we could reach out to you on Facebook or always you know, like through the website. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and I'll it. have all that information. Carrier,
1: pigeon, do something.
0: <laughs> I'll have all yeah. that information in the show notes as well. Thank right. you so much, Corey. Appreciate it, buddy. You
1: guys, have a good
0: night. Take care.